A shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. Hello, this is Father Thomas, and welcome to the Sprouting Stump podcast series, where we reflect on the readings that come to us from the Mass each day. When we take a little time to let the Spirit come upon us, a bud shall indeed blossom in our hearts, so we might be renewed in spirit and strengthened in faith, as we take this time together to enter into that beautiful word that comes to us from God. For his Pentecost homily, Father tells a heartwarming story of how the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. Well, as you know, today is Pentecost, the end of the Easter season. Liturgically and theologically, Pentecost is actually the second most important celebration of the year. So what even follows after Easter is actually tied to Christmas. Speaking of Christmas, back on Christmas I'd given a homily about a little experience I had in one of my family's house. As you know, Christmas being the birth of Jesus, Pentecost being the birth of the church. So I figured now I'm going to tell you another story about an experience I had with one of my family members. Now some of the details I have to change a little bit to protect the identity of those involved, but all this is based on real events. In a time not so far ago, in a land not so far away, my sister had called me up once and said, I'm sick of this, this sweet gum tree in my front yard. If anyone knows what a sweet gum tree is, it's one of those trees that has these almost golf ball sized little gumballs that it grows, they drop in the yard, and they make a mess everywhere, and they have little spikes on them, and she has to constantly rake them up very sick. I said, yep, I know, I don't like them either. So now that we should deal with a mess in the front yard all the time, but this tree had gotten to be fairly large, it was taken over the front yard. It was about 90 feet tall, and so there wasn't much of a front yard left. The roots had grown out of it, so no grass was growing. So she said, it needs to come down. I said, I agree, because I'm tired of you calling me up and asking me to rake up these gumballs for you anyway. So a couple of gentlemen from one of the other parishes that kind of do, to take down trees for the side thing, got a hold of them, we said, we'll go over there, we'll take down the trees. One afternoon, we went to took down the tree, and got rid of it, got rid of all the branches. As much work as that was, it was only phase one. Because now we had this massive stump in her front yard that she had to get rid of. So she called up a company to come and grind down the stump. Well, anyone that's ever ground down a stump before knows what you're left with is a bunch of sawdust and shavings. And they make an excellent mulch, but they're terrible for growing grass. Nothing was going to go through it, so her whole front yard was filled with all the shavings, and nothing was going to grow. So she said, what do I need to do? I said, well, we have to get rid of all the shavings, and we have to cultivate the ground, till it up a little bit, smooth it out, because with the root structure of the tree, her front yard kind of looked like a skateboard park. I mean, there's all these hills and valleys everywhere, and she said, it looks horrible. I want it to be smoothed out and look level. I said, okay, it's not going to be that difficult. So I said, she asked me what we needed, and I said, well, truth, all we need to do is just break up this stuff, then we need to till the soil, break it out a little bit, till it a little bit more, then smooth it out, and then lay some new seed and put down some straw. 
said, well, I can't do that. My sister was not in a position to do it physically and didn't have the time for it. So she, I said, well, get one of your boys to do it. She had some younger adult sons. I said, she got a hold of one of them. And him and his friends said, well, we'll come over and take care of it. And we'll get to it sometime soon. Well, anyone that has sons knows your definition of soon doesn't quite match the, the time zone as a mother's soon. So weeks had gone by, and I had called her and talked to my sister, and I said, well, have they done anything yet? She says, no. And I said, are they going to do anything yet? She said, I don't know. And I said, did you tell them that you wanted this done before you actually died? Because that might be helpful. So she got a hold of them and said, well, we'll get to it, but we still didn't know when. So I said, well, I'll come over and at least break up the shavings to maybe motivate them to get moving. So they see an old man like me out there doing the work. Maybe they'll feel guilty and start finishing up. So I went over to one day and raked up all the shavings and got all those picked up. And that by itself made everything look a little bit nicer. It didn't have this big brown bunch of shavings all over the ground, but it kind of smoothed out the dirt. But the ground had hardened and it was still very hilly. So I said, well, I've got it this far. They can take over. So they said, oh, we'll come over. We'll finish it up tomorrow. So they had come over the next day and they were going to rent a tiller to do the work. And I said, no, you don't need a tiller. All you need is a hand cultivator, a rake, some seed, and some straw. If anybody knows what a hand cultivator is, it's like those little hand tools that have the little spines on them that you run around the ground, they break up the soil. I said, don't get a power tiller. First off, you're going to be spending a lot of money you don't need to spend. And second off, you're going to end up doing more damage than good because you're going to end up tearing up more of the soil that's necessary. You're going to end up digging up grass that's going to be dug up, and then there's still a little bit of roots left over. You're going to end up binding up those roots, and you're going to make a mess. But I said, just have them use a hand cultivator. They're going to have to do a little bit of work. So she said, fine. She went out and got them a hand cultivator, and she set the stuff out, and they got the other equipment. And the next day, they spent all afternoon taking care of the front yard. So I called her the next day and said, well, how did they do? She was silent for a moment, and she said, I might want to come over and take a look at this. I said, well, what could they have possibly done wrong? She said, you might want to come over and take a look at this. So I went over there, and I looked at the yard, and I thought, did they actually do anything? There's a whole bunch of hay covered almost the entire front yard. And I thought, if they put any more straw down, they would go and invite half the horses in the county to come over and have dinner. But anyways, so I said, it still looks like a skateboard park. She says, yes. I said, did they actually even use the cultivator? She said, well, they said they did. So I pulled it out of the garage where they put it away, and it still had the tag on it from when we had bought it in the store, and one time had a little bit of dirt on it. And I said, did you realize they actually had to make it go into the dirt? She says, I don't know, I wasn't here. Well, they had told her beforehand, oh, Thank Father Thomas for making it look so good for us. It really was helpful. Well, apparently all they did was run the little cultivator, apparently with the effort of a two-year-old girl, and they threw a bunch of seed down and then dumped enough straw on the ground to cover any of the disaster, thinking that was going to make it work. And she goes, I don't like it, but I don't want to tell my son they messed up because he's going to feel bad because they spent all day working on it. They were so proud of themselves when they were done. In fact, they called the next day and said, Oh, Mom, make sure you water everything to take care of it. 
She goes, I'm not watering anything because I need to get this taken care of. So she calls me up and says, what do we have to do? And I said, start over. I said, we're going to break up all the hay, which means a lot of the seeds can get pulled up with it. We're going to actually have to cultivate the ground, break it up a little bit, smooth it out, recultivate it, and smooth it back out again, and relay new seed and put down straw again. She said, well, I don't want to ask my son to do that because he's going to feel really bad. Can you do it? I said, you do realize I'm a parish from. And she goes, can you do it? And I said, oh, for God's sake. Okay. So I went over there one day. It was about 85 degrees outside. And I said, okay. So I raked up all the old straw that I laid down, which means a lot of the seed came up with it. And I started cultivating with the hand cultivator. And the ground had hardened, so it was pretty tough. So I was going to grinding it away and have to dig away at it to break up the soil. As I was digging up the soil, I was thinking this whole experience reminds me of the entire Easter season. And the Holy Spirit is a cultivating spirit. So I'm thinking of my homily as I'm digging up the dirt that's going to be coming up at the end of the Easter season. You're wondering, what does this have to do with Pentecost? Well, now I'll get to the homily part of all of this. As I was digging up the soil, I was realizing that cultivator was the Holy Spirit, the tool that Jesus gives to us, so that we could carry out the work that He began. Because when Jesus sent His Spirit out to the world with that rebirth of the church, the Spirit never said, I'm going to do the work for you. He said, I'm going to be the tool that you need to use so that you can do the work that I've asked you to do, that you can continue the effort that I've already started. You see, Jesus in his death was like taking down the tree. That big thing that was blocking the light of the sun to be able to come upon the garden. The tree was keeping that light of grass to grow. And he says, I took that down. I got rid of all those irritating little gumballs all around the yard. I removed all that and opened up a pathway for you. I just smoothed it out and everything in my resurrection got rid of all of that dust to allow light to possibly be growing. But now you have to take over. I've done my part. Jesus sends and says, now it is your turn. And he pours out the Spirit on the church. And he says, you take the Spirit and you use it. You take the Spirit now and you have to actually put forth the effort. And he says, it's going to take work. It's going to be hard. You're going to get tired. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to think, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to have to go back and do it over again. And you're going to run into roots. And you're going to run into areas that are very difficult. And the heat's going to be coming down upon you. And he says, but that is your job. The mission of the church is to cultivate the soil so that new life can grow. So seeds of faith can actually take root in the world and grow. But we have to grab that cultivator. We have to actually put it to work. We have to grind into the soil a little bit to break up that hardness in people's hearts. We can't just somehow come up and say, oh, this looks really pretty, and throw a bunch of seed down and then dump a bunch of straw over it and say, my job is done. They wanted to take the easy way, and there is no easy way for the church. Jesus didn't give us a church so that we can all sit back and just watch grass grow. He gave us the church that we can grab the cultivator, the power of His love, and go out and use it 
to make the seed grow. And they were all excited about what they did. They walked away thinking they did a good job, not realizing that I had to go through an extra two hours of work just to get back to where I was before. Had they done nothing, my job would have actually been easier. Which also speaks to what happens when we don't do the job properly that God calls us to do. We try and take shortcut paths. It doesn't work. We actually cause more work for the rest of the church. We see what happens when people don't raise their kids properly with faith. You have to do damage control as they get older. When people live in a rotten environment, they get used to certain things, and then you have to work harder to get through that habit of sin. When society teaches people, oh, do what you want, it's like throwing a bunch of hay over straw over the ground, and saying it looks so nice now, and expecting things to happen, and realizing now we have to undo the damage that they've done, and start over again. Yes, using the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be tough at times. It means that we're going to be dealing with some pain, suffering, aggravation. It means we're going to be dealing with the heat of people's anger. The roots of sin that go over the ground that we have to dig into. The harvest of people's hearts. That's there. But Jesus says, I've given you the ability to break through that. And these were men half my age. But no man like me can get through that dirt. I know they could have gotten through it, but that just required them to put forth a little bit of effort, and they didn't want to do it. They wanted to just throw a bunch of stuff over and say, Hey, Mom, we did our job. Well, that's like pulling out a rosary and just saying, If I pray a rosary every day, I'm going to solve the world's problems without actually taking that love of the Holy Spirit and putting it to use in other people's lives. It doesn't work. Pentecost is that moment where the church takes over where Christ left off. He did his work. He died. He rose. He ascended. He got rid of that awful tree. He raked up the gumballs. He smoothed out the ground. And he said, now it's your turn. Pentecost ends the Easter season. It begins the season of the church. We have green now in our new color. Why? Because green is the color of light. And we are called to break open that soil to make light happen. But if we think that we can take the love of the Holy Spirit, hang it up in the bride after barely using it, pat ourselves on the back because we did a good job, we're going to be in the same mess the world is in right now. It takes effort to break through people's ignorance, their hardness of heart their stubbornness, their anger, their pride, their hatred, their resentment. Yes, and it's going to take work and it's going to be hard. And there's going to be times when we're going to be doing it and thinking, I don't want to do this. I wasn't sitting out there cultivating and saying, oh, this feels really good. I was thinking, this is hard work. Why did those idiot boys do this? But I kept digging away because if I didn't do it properly at that point, it would have had to be redone later. And I wasn't about to put forth that much effort, only to have to be wasted. So I kept going and digging deeper and deeper, and realizing, yes, this is what our faith is all about. This is what Pentecost is all about. It's grabbing hold of that spirit of love and using it on others. That cultivating spirit. 
Now, I don't want any of you to think from this example I've given you that you take an actual cultivator out of your garage and you go up to somebody and whack them inside the head with it and think of trying to get through your stubborn heart. No, you take that power of the Spirit, which requires humility, patience, compassion, understanding, faith, courage. Using the cultivating spirit of love, I'll tell you, is much harder than using a hand cultivator on hard soil. But in the end, it's worth it. When I was finally finished and I had it all spread back out, I was aggravated to all get out. I was thinking I just had a lot of extra work to do, but I finally looked at the ground and said, now maybe we'll see a beautiful lawn take place. And I realized all that effort was going to truly bear fruit and make life grow. And yes, I was tired and I was frustrated. And I knew that I would have to sit and watch. And I wanted to go out and grow right that day. I'm thinking, I don't want to wait three weeks to watch grass grow. I want to see the work of my effort right now. And it wasn't going to happen. And that's the way the church operates. After 2,000 years of blessing her blood, we still have work to do. Because there's still patches that aren't growing. There's still life that's being stamped under harvest in people's hearts. There's still areas where the grass is not green. It's a continual effort. And that's why we celebrate Pentecost to remind us that we are part of that effort. We don't run into church and think that we can run back out and say, my job is done. If we do that, then all we've done is thrown a bunch of straw on the ground and left the yard for somebody else to take care of. Do you know why at the end of the Easter season we put away the Paschal candle? that represents the light of Christ, that represents Christ himself. And Christ says, I've done my work. We put the pastor's sandal aside and says, you now are meant to be that pastoral light. You are meant to be that pastoral sacrifice. You are meant to be that pastoral love to go out into the world. I've taken my job, my efforts, my love, and I've poured it out into the world. I'm done. You need to carry out the work that I began. That was Pentecost. And if we can do that, if we can take the cultivating love of the Holy Spirit, and we can use it in those difficult times, if we can use it with all of our effort, if we can use it to break through other people's hearts and hearts, and show them what love is all about, then Pentecost is not some event that happened 2,000 years ago. Pentecost is a glory that happens today. And every day, every moment of our lives. And that's the reason to celebrate the beauty of this day. Pentecost never end. And our efforts could never stop.